Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear faithful, today we have one of the most famous epistles of the liturgical year, St. Paul's Ode to Charity. St. Paul is coming to the end of his first letter to the Corinthians. He's at chapter 13, and there's 16 chapters in that first letter. And he's just spoken in chapter 12 about the many different types of spiritual gifts that Christians might receive from the Holy Ghost. And he's explained why it's important that there be different types of gifts given to different types of, of people in the church, that there be a diversity of gifts in the church. But he ends up concluding his analysis of these gifts at the end of chapter 12 by saying, be zealous for the better gifts. And says that he's going to show them a yet more excellent way. As great as these gifts are, there is a, a much greater gift, the most important of the gifts, and that more excellent way to God than all of the gifts that he just spoken about is charity. And St. Paul will do all that he can to convince the Corinthians that charity is the most important virtue, the greatest of the virtues, and the one that should be sought above all the other virtues. And if the church chooses this epistle to be read at one of the 52 Sunday Masses of the year, it's because she wants you also to be convinced of this fact that you should seek for charity above all the other virtues. And if she has it read just before the start of Lent, it's because she wants to remind you that all of your Lenten practices must be directed towards a single end to the growth of the virtue of charity in your soul. That you grow in the love of God and the love of neighbor. The whole of the law is contained in the love of God and the love of neighbor. So first, before we're going to do that during Lent, before we're going to direct all of our mortifications and our penances and our prayers to our growth in the love of God and neighbor, we have to be convinced that in fact, charity is the greatest of the virtues. We have to be convinced that we should direct all of our actions towards that virtue. So what are the arguments that St. Paul uses in this epistle that we are so familiar with? Basically, he has two arguments that he uses. The first argument is this. Without the virtue of charity, there is no true virtue. So you have to have charity for any of your other virtues to be profitable for you to get to heaven. No charity, no heaven. Just doesn't work. Secondly, he points out that of the three theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity, charity is the only one that lasts forever. Faith and hope exist on this earth, but they will not exist in heaven. But charity exist on this earth and it exists in heaven and what lasts longer is more excellent than what fades away so let's look at these two reasons in more detail the first reason as I mentioned is that there's no true virtue without charity Saint Paul explains this by giving examples of those spiritual gifts that he had been talking about in chapter 12 and pointing out how even if you have these gifts those gifts are not profitable unless you have charity with them. You can have all of those gifts that he mentioned, but unless you have charity, 
They're useless. Do you have the gift of tongues? Such as you're speaking, you're coming to church, and you're speaking different languages. Well, that's useless unless you have charity. Do you have the gift of prophecy or a certain ability to explain the truths of the faith? Do I show up and I explain the truths of the faith to you, but I do not have charity? Well, it's useless for me if I do not have charity, if I'm not doing it for the love of God and for the love of neighbor. Do you have an extremely strong faith, a faith that moves mountains? St. Paul says, all faith. Do you have all faith? Well, even if you've got that, it's useless unless you have charity. And seemingly the strangest example of all that he gives, seems like he gives an example of charity. He says, do you have charity towards the poor wherein you give away all that you have? Or do you have charity towards God where you become a martyr? Well, even if you do these things, if you do these actions that seem to indicate that you have a love of, of, of the poor, or the love of God, but you don't really have love of God and love of neighbor, then it's useless. Even if I give money to a poor man, it's no good unless I have charity in my heart. Even if I die for God, apparently, and it's not really for God, it's no good. These are the examples that St. Paul uses to show that our virtues are not really real virtues unless the virtue of charity is present unless we're doing things for the love of God and for the love of neighbor. And St. Thomas, in his Summa, he explains why this is the case. He, he points out that the things that we do are good only insofar as they help us reach our end, only insofar as they draw us closer to heaven. And you think about it, if you're going, if you want to go to a certain destination, if you want to go to New York City, well, any step that you take is, is only going to be good insofar as it helps you get closer to New York City. And it's going to be no good if it sends you the other direction. Well, it's the same with getting to heaven. The things you do that get you closer to heaven are good. Things that do that take you away from getting closer to heaven are bad. So the, the fact is that it is the virtue of charity that directs you, that orients you towards your goal. Charity has that role among all the virtues of orienting you towards heaven, towards your end. Charity is what makes us adhere to God. Our destination is God, and charity makes us unite ourselves with God. So love of God binds you to God. That's the virtue of charity. That's why if you have all knowledge of the faith and you're able to explain the faith to others, you're even able to convert others to the faith, but you don't actually love God, then it, it profits you nothing. It may profit the other people, that you convert, but it doesn't profit you to reach your eternal end because you're not being united with God. You can only reach your eternal end by reaching God, and you can only reach God through charity. This shows us how charity is connected to all of the other virtues. And St. Paul indicates this when he, when he goes on this um, ode to charity. He starts praising charity, saying that charity is patient, charity is kind, charity is not envy, it's not pretentious. Charity does not rejoice over wickedness, but rejoices with the truth. Charity believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And in going through all these aspects of charity, St. Paul is linking charity with many other virtues. He's linking it with patience, with kindness, with humility, 
with honesty, with faith, with hope, with perseverance. And this is so much to, to indicate to us that charity is involved with all the other virtues. It's sort of uh, a way for him to reinforce that idea that if you do not have charity, those other virtues are not really real. They don't really exist. You've got to have charity. So the reason that charity is involved is, is the reason that, that I just gave, is that, that charity is what directs our virtues, our patience or our humility or our, our almsgiving. It directs them towards God. It's like our moral compass. It orients us. So it takes our various activities and points them towards God. It takes a kind word that we've said to our neighbor and points it to God. It takes our patient endurance of some evil and points it towards God. It takes our adherence to the truths of the faith, our Catholic identity, and it directs it towards God. Because of themselves, these things are not necessarily directed towards God. There may be another reason why you're doing those things. You may not be saying that kind word to your neighbor for the love of, of God and the love of neighbor. You may be saying it for your own benefit, for a selfish motive, because you want to ingratiate yourself with your neighbor. You want to please your neighbor for your own benefit. St. Augustine gives, gives some examples to us. He, he speaks of, of a miser who apparently practices the four cardinal virtues, but in reality is not practicing virtue. He speaks of the prudence of the miser, whereby he devises various roads to gain, and it's, but it's no true virtue. Or the miser's justice, whereby he doesn't go after the property of another because he fears the punishment. He fears falling into crime and being arrested. Or the miser's temperance, whereby he curbs his desire for expensive pleasures. He, he doesn't indulge in pleasures but because they cost money. Or the miser's fortitude, whereby, as Horace says, he braves the sea, he crosses mountains, he goes through fire in order to avoid poverty. So all of these actions are not directed for the right motive. What is lacking is that moral compass, that orientation towards God, which makes, as I say, all the things that we do bear fruit for heaven. So all of those things that, that I've just spoken about, the kind words to the neighbor, the, the, the saving of money, or... Um, the giving of, of an alms, they could be virtuous. They are material that is apt to being made virtuous. But what has to come in and inform them so that they become virtuous is charity. And if that charity is, is lacking, it's, it's like an action that is a corpse. Um, it, it could be vivified and, and made to live for heavenly merit. But if the charity is not there, it's dead. The works are dead. They are profitless. This, the second reason that St. Paul gives why charity is the greatest virtue is that charity lasts forever, while the two other theological virtues, faith and hope, do not last forever. They do not exist in heaven. And of course, we all prefer things that last. If you, if you look at two stoves, and, and someone is going to give you a stove, and they say, well, this stove over here will last you 10 years. But this other stove will last you 20 years. 
you're going to say, well, I want the stove the last 20 years. Thank you. You don't want the one that's going to fall apart sooner. You want the one that's going to last longer. And it's the same reason that we value our soul over our body. We all know as Catholics that um, our soul is immortal, that our soul lives forever. Our soul cannot break down. Our soul will never die. Whereas we have evidence every day that our body is breaking down. Our bodies are falling apart. And because our bodies fall apart, we don't value our bodies so much. We, we value our souls much more than our body. We want something that to, to, to put all of our effort into appreciating the value of something that's going to last forever, our soul. So St. Paul points out how all the spiritual gifts will disappear in the afterlife except for charity. He says prophecies will disappear, tongues will cease, knowledge will be destroyed. And the reason for this is that these things are imperfect. They are adapted to our state in this life, which is an imperfect state. They're not made for the perfect state. They're only like a scaffolding that helps helps us get to our destination, but once we're there, we don't need the scaffolding anymore. Faith is imperfect. Hope is imperfect. The prophetical gifts are imperfect. They're only temporary and preliminary. This is why St. Paul makes the comparison between a child and an adult. We all know that when we're a child, we, we have to put training wheels on our bicycle, and we have to eat foods that, that we can chew very easily. Um, we, we have to have our parents manage our time and manage our money. But this is only a temporary state. And when we, when we come to adulthood, when we're able to ride our bike without training wheels, when we take the training wheels off, and when we're able to, to eat steak and we're able to eat apples, um, then we stop eating baby food and we stop eating applesauce. And when we're able to go to work and, and make a living, then we stop being supported by our parents. We put these things of a child away. And the exact same thing is true in the realm of virtues. The virtues of faith and hope are virtues for the time of this life, which is like the time of our childhood compared to our time in heaven when we are like adults in the spiritual order. So faith provides to us truths that come from God, revealed truths. But when you're looking at God, you don't need the truths revealed by God. You have God. You don't need this, this revelation from God because you possess God himself. So in heaven, we won't need the truths that come from God. We won't need to believe in these truths about God because we will see God then hope has us trust that God will provide certain goods to us. But in heaven, we will possess those goods. And you won't have to hope that you're going to possess those goods if you actually have them. You don't have to hope that you're going to have a stove if you've got a stove in your kitchen. You don't have to hope it. But at the time before you have the stove, you're like, I wish I had a stove. I hope that one day I will have a stove. And once you've got the stove, that's it. You don't need to hope anymore. It's the same with the possession of God. But charity is different from faith and hope since it is a virtue that is for this life and the next life. The reason is that charity does not have a, give us a knowledge of God or a trust in God's goodness, but it gives us God himself. So charity on this earth gives us God himself. Charity in the next life will give us God himself. By charity we possess God in this life the same God that we possess in heaven. That's why the state of grace, sanctifying grace, is likened to the possession of charity, the 
possession of the very life of God himself. So the only difference is that we will possess God in heaven in a much fuller manner, in the manner of adults, and not in the manner of children. But that same virtue is working on earth and working in heaven in our possession of God, the virtue of charity. So my dear faithful, I hope that you're convinced through the teaching of St. Paul and St. Thomas Aquinas that charity really is the greatest of all the virtues. It's the virtue that connects us with God by having us love God. It's the virtue that is present to direct all the other virtues like a moral compass, make the actions that we do be directed towards God. It's a virtue without which we cannot really possess the other virtues. If we don't have charity, we don't really possess the other virtues. And it's the only theological virtue that exists both in this life and in the next life. And when you leave this life, we have to be very clear on this. Our Lord even has a story that he tells us about the last judgment to emphasize it. When you leave this life, you will be judged on one thing and one thing only. Do you possess the love of God in your soul, or do you not? If you do, you go to heaven. If you do not, you go to hell. And if you go to heaven, your place in heaven, your rank, among all the blessed in heaven, among all the saints in heaven, will be determined by the intensity of your charity. Charity will determine whether or not you get to heaven, and charity will determine how high you are in heaven. Your mansion, the rank of your, the mansion that will be given to you. You will be higher in heaven if you love God more. You will be lower in heaven if you love God less. And if I've said all this to you today about charity, it's in order to convince you that you must seek charity above all the other virtues. The most important thing for you to foster in your life is the love of God. That's the most important thing. The only thing necessary for you to foster the love of God in your soul. You have to foster your love of God by your daily prayer life. You have to foster your love of God by meditating, by meditating on the goodness of our Lord and Our Lady. You have to foster your love of God by doing spiritual things, doing spiritual activities every day of your life. That's what connects you with God. And when you do non-spiritual things, try to direct them in the direction of God by doing them for the love of God. Obviously, you can't do spiritual things all the time, but even when we do not do them, we should direct our non-spiritual activities towards God. Every day of your life, you should repeat those words, Most sacred heart of Jesus, I implore that I may ever love thee more and more. This is the most important thing for you to demand of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you be given a greater and greater love for him. And when our Lord Jesus Christ comes to you, and appears to you on the day of your death, he's going to look for the love of God in your heart. And if he finds there that flame, that flame of the love of God, then he will take you. He will take you to himself, up to heaven. And that flame that is in your soul will never, ever be extinguished. Whereas if he does not find that flame there, if your heart is dead with the love of God, then it will never be lit again. That flame will never be burning. Instead, we will be suffering the fires of hell. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.